Hey, it's Sean Fennessy. We've got something special cooking on the Prestige TV podcast. I'll be recapping one of my favorite shows, HBO's Barry, every Sunday night with the writer-director star of the show, the great Bill Hader. We'll talk about the show's wild twists and turns, its special brand of dark comedy, and how it all came together. So on Sunday nights, immediately after a new episode airs, you can hear Bill and I break it all down on the Prestige TV pod. Subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound I'm Justin Cherry. And I'm Mike Peters. We're your sound only co hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle. This week, talking about a variety of subjects, as always, but leading with the Disney Plus series, Kenobi, miniseries, six episodes, you in. McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Jimmy Smith. Kenobi. General Kenobi. Kenobi's back. Kenobi. Back from selling you transatlantic flights on Expedia. Ewan McGregor is once again traveling the dusty wilds of Tatooine. Um, looking for the prodigies, you know, where are the prodigies at? Where's, where's new the new hope? hope? We're new hoping again. Um, dog, this show, yeah, you're right. It's like, this isn't just, okay, Disney's doing more TV Star Wars. It's specifically, this is prequel shit, right? Like the opening montage of this miniseries, it's like, remember I the mean, prequel? Yeah, like Fire? they really, yeah. like there is, there is like a overwhelming sweaty attempt to connect this in a lineage to the prequels. Uh, like, there's a lot of flashbacks to, you know, like Qui-Gon Jinn dying in Obi-Wan's arms and Darth Maul running up and getting done up in, you know, an unceremonious fashion because he had the coolest robes of anybody in the entire Star Wars universe. Let's talk about it. But there's also, like, you know, just... 
the idea that Obi-Wan failed, you know, he he tried and he f- tripped on his dick and he uh, he accidentally created Darth Vader and he's, you know, hiding out in exile at the start of the yes. series. And I think like, okay, if you look at the, okay, you have the original trilogy of Star Wars. It's a very distinct thing historically. It's preserved in amber, like the fucking mosquitoes in Jurassic Park, right? But then if you watch the prequels and then certainly if you watch the sequels, they're kind of obsessed with that idea of like, the Jedi's were failures, though, if you really think about it, right? And sometimes that idea gets really grating and annoying. But in this show, I'll say it so far, it's like two episodes have gone up with this Disney show, right? And one thing I will say, you talk to millennials and younger about the prequels, you know, the things that are easiest to defend, I think, are... I mean, people sometimes say that Ewan McGregor is good in all the movies. He's not. He's very much not good in the first and second movie. He's great in the third movie because he's funny. He's fucking funny in the third movie. And, but the problem is, right, like, all the actors in the prequels, right, are almost all, like, misused just constantly. And the good thing up top, right, we can get into criticisms in a sec, but the good thing about this miniseries is that by episode two, Ewan McGregor, is saying and doing cooler shit than they ever let him do in the prequels. Like, I don't know. He is like, I, I feel like he has an edge. He has a kind of like maturity to his performance of Obi-Wan. Okay, that well, is kind of what you wanted out of the prequels. Think, like, but he, he was like too young and too kind of out of place to pull off in the prequels. He's better in this than he was in the prequels. I also like, like with cards on the table though, like I have only watched most of the first episode. Okay, I watched both of them. I watched <laughs> like, both. and you, and you've watched yeah. both of them. You've watched both of them. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like, I primarily am getting the grizzled, you know, hunched over. I'm now amongst the blue collar people doing my penance for you know wrecking the universe. Shit that. Luke was doing at the beginning of uh of, of Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh it's like less stark because, you know, it's not, you know, uh Mark Hamill getting on in years, but like, you know, you <laughs> and McGregor at still like, you know, this is you know, sexy salt and pepper. Yeah, not like it's it's just like, pepper. you know, what are you so what yeah. Like, what are you so sad about? Like, yeah, that, that's it's, it's really what you're saying. Like, it's a bad thing. But no, 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 no. It's not. Like, I mean, like, it's just kind of like, all right. Well, let's get on with the the next part of the hero's journey. Yeah. Is what it feels okay. like for most of the first episode, because there's, um, you know, the whispers of rebellion are rising again, despite you know, uh all of the good working townspeople being crushed under heel of like, you know, the insidious uh, space monarchy, whatever the fuck it's called. Anyway, like, you know, there's still a number of Jedi that survive like the execution of Order 66, which is a fire way to open the series, by the way. That episode is, I mean, that 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 scene of uh, that one batch of uh, younglings escaping the temple is like, it's a good way to, yeah. you know, it's a good cold open yeah, for the series. I agree with that. I, that was a good choice. Yeah. One of them we meet uh, in a saloon in Tatooine, and it's the Sa- it's one of the Safdie brothers. Um, which you know, 
is the kind of like stunt casting that these Disney Plus Star Wars show prefer. Like, you know, you're a fan of the series and you're successful. Come get on in here. Yeah. Have a scene or two. <laughs> Daniel but he's trying to get like, you know, get Obi-Wan back on like, you know, get him back on the path. Uh, seems is like his is, is his role, which I guess is like takes an agonizingly long time. Um, our favorite character from the Queen's Gambit is uh is 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 serving underneath uh, the Grand Inquisitor as a third sister who you encounter in uh Jedi Fallen Order more than once. Um I ain't played that shit. But you, you played this shit. I ain't played it. I, I bounced off of that shit hard because okay. it's just like why the fuck are there lightsaber resistant animals in the universe? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I remember I remember this flashback to you talking there's about a, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so yeah, so anyway, like there's a but anyway, uh she's real angry and you know, chomping at the task of finding the Jedi in town. Like she's too anxious. She does protest too much. Um, in a way that, you know, like suggests some sort of link with Obi-Wan pretty early on or with like, you know, the like some closer like with the Jedi in general, despite all this over the top, I'm slicing off arms and threatening to kill the elderly stuff that she's doing. And they, it's just like, come on, man. Like, it's just you're like, man, damn, like, calm down. <laughs> the well, first, the thing is, I wouldn't even mind that aggressive. I wouldn't even mind that to me. All right, let's talk about the grand, the inquisitor, third sister type shit, right? Like these are the characters that are sort of yeah. out of, they're the like new characters, right? They're people you're sort of, okay, you know, Owen Large, you know, Obi-Wan, but like these are the, the new niggas. They get long yeah, introductions. But it's like, long, long and uh, expository introductions. Yeah. And it kind of, I was sort of, I, I feel like we've talked about this before, but I was sort of texting you about my theory of the problem sometimes with Star Wars, where it's like the frame rate is too high. It's, it's, we're not in the 70s no more. So it's like, would you have this dude walk onto the scene? Yeah, you know what? That is so true. Like, it's like you don't get the, like, there isn't the sense of novelty or like the same sort of suspension of disbelief that you get with the sense of scale in the blockbuster yeah. releases and also with like previous like with yeah like the like it, when they had to kind of scrape around to to create Tatooine in the yeah. 70s like seeing Luke come over the hill with C3PO it feels like he's on a different planet and you know it like this feels very much like you're watching, you know, like it's like it's hard to it's hard to forget that you're watching a bunch of highly paid actors play dress up with really expensive costuming. Um, yeah. And, you know, you could you could break that down into a few things. Like part of that is the technology. Right. Part of that is age. Right. I'm older now. You can't fool me. You know what I mean? Is it like I I watch things with a more skeptical eye, but part of it, man, is like, is the again you watch it on a four K TV on Disney Plus, and when the the Grand Inquisitor dude walks in, he he caked up in all that white face. You're just like, I can see that this is makeup. Like, the, you know what I mean? It used to be about trying to fool you about the textures of skin and appendages, and now it's just like he wears makeup. That, what, also, this is 
like this is vain and like this is my annoying formalist take about the thing, but like it fucks up his whole vibe for me. Like it fucks up the whole vibe of your of your big bad villain or whatever. If one, he shows up at first during the daytime, yeah. and two, you have like you have a you have a wide shot where I can see how awkward his gait is. Yeah. It's just like if he walks funny. I don't like he's not scary to me. If the person if the if the if if your, you know, main henchman is unathletic and I can see that early on, I'm not going to believe the sword fights they have later. It's like they're in it and like you can, can you telegraph that with sh- like shots that are too long or too wide out or too close of them running or doing things that they're not good at physically. Who knows if that's people insisting on their own stunts or whatever. But at the same time, these are all things that I think about now. Yeah. And like the and cutting back and the the cutting, the constant jumping back and forth between this and Phantom Menace just really makes me think about one Ray Park. Mm. You love and Ray Park, man. Two. I fucking love Ray Park. <laughs> and two, like how little attention, like it's just the way that they managed to like create um like the stakes and scale of things like the like the like the action in Phantom Menace is like it's really like one of the best Star Wars movie for the action like all the Senate stuff is ridiculous and annoying yeah and you know Except, also like, iconic the, the though, MacGuffin to side me. quests are yeah but like you know but Damn, like they were just like, let's give these motherfuckers a show. <laughs> the rest of it is just kind of like feels in this in in the Disney Star Wars stuff, all the action stuff feels compulsory. Yeah, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Um, they don't know what to do. I know. Look, people arguing about Moses Ingram, right? Like the actor, the the who plays the third sister, right? This show don't know what to do with her. Like, there's something weird about. Here's the thing. Star Wars has like a tone she, problem. She's like, she's a good actor. It's yeah, like, but she, she doesn't just doesn't, it's sometimes. just like, it feels that she's out of place. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. It's, it's like, she's in a different, like it's, she's in a different yeah, show. Dizzy, these Disney plus shows, man. With the, with like every time they write the women characters and they like the, the, they are, they are inevitably in a different show than everybody else. Like, and I don't know why that keeps happening or what the cause of that is, but like, it just is. Like, no, this is just an is? observation. No, to me, what it is, maybe the maybe the quality that sort of fucks Disney up a little bit is whenever they write a distinctly millennial person into Star Wars, that's what fucks them up, right? Like, it's like she's so millennial that she feels yeah. like they got her from like a millennial sitcom and then just like spliced her performance in that. Or like uh, some millennial drama, and they spliced it into a Star Wars show about Obi Wan Kenobi, and it's just like it totally—it's uh, yeah. weird, <laughs> it's uncanny to me. Like her performance is—it just feels like it's spliced in from some other thing in a way. Yeah, it's like one of those situations where everybody's doing like the like the noir patter, and then somebody comes in speaking like you know a normal person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Is what yeah. it feels like. That's what the that's what the change up is. Yeah, yeah. She was like in search party, but then the teleporter beam like put her in Star Wars, and she's just roll with it. It's kind of what it feels like. But and then they kind of play with that though, because like 
the second episode has Camille and Johnny, and he is sort of self-consciously, right? Like he's faking the funk. He's faking being a Jedi. He's kind of doing like a fortune teller routine. And you see him in character and then you see him break character later. And it's like he switches up the way he talks. And like that's between when he's pretending to be a Jedi and when he's sort of like letting his guard down. And that feels like a good version of Star Wars trying to manage like how do you make Star Wars feel more potently millennial while also letting it feel like Star Wars. But yeah, her character, the third sister, uh, I don't know, man. She just is... It's just... There's something so video gamey about her and the Grand Inquisitor dude where it just feels kind of like a plug-and-play antagonist. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of character there yet. I don't know. But this is always the problem with like modern Star Wars to me. Yeah, I mean, like it's kind of like when we were talking about uh, with uh, the Mandalorian, where like we can say like that it's you know this interesting western with you know space blast is justified with space blasters and all this other stuff, but eventually it has to the arc is long. The arc of Star Wars is long, but bends towards Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sort of thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we were describing. Yep. Um, like, I don't know. Like, it's these Grand Inquisitor and Third Sister just nakedly feel like, you know, obstacles put there to for us to marvel at, to screen cap and put on Tumblr, but then for us to forget about so that they can move on with the next blockbuster project or so that they can progress whatever the principal characters, you know, whatever line is. And that's like the point of these shows. And it's like hard to forget that when you are also experiencing the things that we're talking about, like the, um, the costuming, the acting out of place, the, you know, the action, et cetera. Um, Yes, I agree with all that. I ha- I will say, so swinging back to her complimenting the show, um, the little girl that they got playing Leia is good. Like, for the fact that, I don't know, so much angst about the prequels is about the mismanagement of child acting performances. <laughs> like, this show with Leia, like, this little girl is barring niggas up. Like, she... She, I don't know. She's like a child actor who pulls off the precocious thing in a way that is like, oh, she gets Star Wars better than anyone else on this show. Like, I definitely wanted to hate it. <laughs> like, there's, there's definitely a sort of like, you're like, oh, here they fucking, like I'm yeah, saying, yeah, about how you want to think right. make an effort to connect this to the to you know like the star wars lineage like it's like you're oh senator Organa. like you hear like you know oh miss organa they call after her. she's like you know running away from you know the hand servants and climbing up into a tree to look at passing air freighters um like you are just kind of like rolling your fucking eyes and then she goes to the banquet and she <laughs> <laughs> reads her cousin from the floor up. Like, I mean, it was... Her BIPOC cousin like, just gets it was, demolished. 
<laughs> oh, man. Uh, she said, get the fuck on with your little turf bags. <laughs> And then she had to like it was also like the scenes with like with her and her and and her and um, yeah. her parents like are like unexpectedly yeah. wholesome. Oh yeah, the one scene oh. with Jimmy Spencer. Yeah, you're right. When they're on the balcony, he like you can't be doing that, bro. Like, come on, bro. It's like a good moment. Yeah, you that's can't a be good doing moment. That. Come on, like you know, like yeah. Give it up for Jimmy Smith. <laughs> Fucking love Jimmy Smith uh. in Star Wars. Um. <laughs> You know, like, but like, it was like the full arc was like, I went from hating it, like hating the idea of it to at that moment being like saying to the screen, like, you know, like you need you that. Need it. You need somebody to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my relationship with this franchise. God damn. Uh, yeah. That's what they do to you, though. That's what Star Wars uh, does to you. I hate this shit. <laughs> um, you know, to me, it's like, okay, I, I don't like the Inquisitor stuff so far. I feel like that stuff's going to get really corny really quickly. It started out kind of corny. The To me, it's like, the Leia stuff is interesting. That The little girl that plays her is good. She's fun to watch. She's just fun to watch. It's just fun to watch her interact with adults. It's great. But I think to me so far, it's like, rather than looking at this as like a rehabilitation of the prequels or anything like that, it's more like, I at least like watching this show so far as kind of it's sort of like Ewan McGregor getting to like reclaim his spot in the sun. Cause I just feel like those, the prequels did him so dirty. Like even the, you know what I mean? It's like, there's good stuff from Ewan McGregor in the prequels, but they do not give him a lot to work with until the third movie. Because in the fucking Attack of the Clones, they make him do the whole detective bit on the fucking rain planet that goes on for 50 minutes. He's just like walking down hallways, oh, talking man. to Tamora yeah, Morrison. Yeah. yeah, like the Camino shit is so dry for what it <laughs> is. And in this show, they do actually let Obi-Wan Kenobi be a badass. Like he, that salt and pepper thing is real, right? Because like he has the beard in the prequels, but in this the beard got some silver in it. You know what I mean? He has that bass in his voice where you, like, he's not using the force of people, so he just, he sort of open-hand palms people in the face in the show. And you're like, yes! Yes! That's what you needed from Ewan McGregor all this time. And it's like, you ever watch? That's true, though. Like, there's, like, in the, in the, in, like, the early, like, in the, in the prequels, it was, like, you know, Qui-Gon you know, speaking all monotone and waving his hand at people, credits will do fine. Yeah. And him having to like just kind of like blend in and be under the radar and you not know like what like accent that was yeah. or whatever. His hair was done up in a way that looked like it was a helmet. Like it was specifically made to be a, an action figure later. Yeah. Yep. Like it was smoothed out, yep. Like Yeah, like and it's just kind of like and, um, you know, I got love for the Jawas, like, because they're small, but they don't take shit off anybody. But, like, in the first couple minutes, <laughs> it was just like, I like, it was just kind of, it's not even, it's Obi-Wan, so really the limit of it is actually just like, oh, that's impolite. <laughs> but, like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, 
<laughs> but at the same time, it feels startling because he was such a wet blanket for like, you know, for three movies, for two yes. movies. Agree. Hard agree. Two and a half movies, really. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's really what it is. I mean, for me, it's like if this is just a nice little coda to you and especially because like if you've ever read you and McGregor do interviews about Star Wars, like over the years, you see that kind of especially now, right? Where it's just like the way he'll talk about the like how younger millennials or like zoomers are like, nah, the prequels are better than the original trilogy, which is not that's not a take I can co-sign, but it's just like I guess all the actors from the prequels went through it in their own ways, but Ewan McGregor is like a successful ass actor, right? He's not Hayden. He's not Jake Lloyd. Like it's him and Natalie who came out of it. Okay. And watching Ewan McGregor be like, yo, people used to just like drag me constantly. And now people are telling me that they think the prequels are better than the original trilogy. Like what the fuck is wrong with everybody? You know what I mean? Like I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Ewan. You know, that's what's getting me through this. I'm happy for you and McGregor. Yeah, first we're going to take a break. But like, you know, like after that, we're going to talk about um, my second brush with Sekiro, which happened through a little miracle controller I found called the Backbone One, which Charity thinks is fake, but I assure you is very real. But first we're going to take a break. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, this weekend, Micah made some shit up. He sent me this fake article about a fake controller, and I can't even explain it. He, it's like I, it's like a Verge <laughs> article where the lead image is like an iPhone, but it's turned horizontal, and it's it's bookended by two, you know, look like Switch <laughs> Joy Cons, and he and is the it's like somebody playing Elden Ring on a phone, broadcast from their computer. What is this controller, Micah? What is this? I need this. Is this real? Explain this. Okay. All right. Let me just I'll I'll just neatly explain my entire arc with this with this backbone thing, right? Cause uh I got up one morning and like I do was flicking through Instagram <clears throat> looking at RX nephew videos and videos of Anthony Edwards, you know, doing straight to camera interviews because those are funny and they make me laugh. But anyway, I was flipping through stories and like one of the ads came up and it was this kid that was playing Spider Man Miles Morales on his phone at the airport. And I was just like, this shit is fake. <laughs> so I clicked through the I clicked through the thing in, to see anyway, just on a whim, and like started reading some stuff about it. I was just like, yeah, it sounds fake. It sounds like it would break in like two two minutes. Sounds like it would be impossible to get to like connect to anything. Sounds like it won't really be useful. Uh, but then I got on Reddit and I started <laughs> reading about people like actually using the thing. And yeah, like there's like, you know, a bit of a chance like, you know, maybe I would say like 
20% of the people on there or the posts on there about how uh, the thing worked great for X amount of months, but then like broke, but then like the return policy was really good. Mm -hmm. um, and most of the time it was stuff about how they were surprised that it worked as quickly as it did, as well as it did straight out of the box. And I had some points on my card, so I was just like, it's it's a hundred bucks. You had some points I'll on try your it. card. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good credit haver, Micah Peters. Go ahead. And and some points on my card. I tried it. And the it showed up the next day because you could just order it on Amazon. Just this is, you know. Skynet shit. Anyway, like the thing showed up and I took it out of the box and I think I was playing Elden Ring on it in 10 minutes. I tried it at the house. On your phone? Like, you say on your phone. Yeah, on your phone. Like, so basically you have, you can download the PS uh, remote play app like on your phone or your laptop and you can actually play, like if you bring your controller with you, theoretically you could use you could play whatever it was that you were playing on your laptop by streaming it to your laptop in a sort of screen sharing situation. Yeah. So what you have to do is that you got to turn remote play on on your PlayStation and then you have to turn on the option to stay connected to the internet in rest mode. And then you can like turn the TV off or whatever, leave the house with the thing, go wherever the hell it is you're going, connect to the connect to the Wi-Fi there, and then you can open up the remote play app, and then you can just play your PS5 from wherever you are. Like, so... I was like, alright, so it works in the house where I'm right next to the PS5. It connects, like, really quickly. If you're just playing it in the other room. Trying it, like... My friend's house across town, it worked the exact same. Trying to have my girlfriend's house, it worked the exact same. So, I mean, like, there's no, like, as long as you can connect to, reliably connect to the internet, it should work. So, I played, I re-downloaded, like, literally, okay, this is, like, this is the, this is the maneuverability of it, is that I tried to play Last Guardian on it, like, to test it again like somewhere else and the game froze like it froze loading up i figured it was broken so i deleted the save i deleted the file from my ps5 from the phone started to re-download it turned it off put the thing away came back to it two hours later and started playing the game again um like i played sekiro on it like i started playing sekiro again on it Here's a question I have for you. Because like, I, a few months ago, right, like I was writing, it was like around the time the Steam Deck finally came out. And I was writing about like... Sure. A, a preview piece that was sort of about like, why like why is the Steam Deck here? What is it competing with? It's not actually competing with the Switch, blah, 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 blah. What was appealing to me about this enigmatic device you said? And by the way, listeners, this is not SpawnCon. Neither of us have been paid for I've I'm interrogating Micah's... Like, not at all. Like, I not paid yet. for... Like, it's just like I, like, I paid for it and I played it and I'm surprised that it worked as well as it did. Like, right. so much so that I, like, that I would, like, I can talk about it. 
Right. But I have two and questions recommend for you. It. I have two questions for you, though. And this is sort of what I was considering with the Steam Deck that makes me kind of apprehensive about that. Um, and the Steam Deck is like a dedicated, you know, powerful handheld console, right? To run games. But like you see all the shit, you see all the marketing material and it's like somebody playing Elden Ring on a fucking Steam Deck, right? Or playing Cyberpunk, right? And I have two thoughts. One, mm-hmm. am I really not going to lose my mind looking at like a game that was made to have really sort of high textured feed 3D graphics? Shrunk I'm gonna to tell an you iPhone like screen? Because that's my first question. I know what yeah. you're talking about. Because, like, after playing Elden Ring on it for a little... Like, I had already beat the yeah. game when I, like, was playing Elden okay. Ring on it. I wouldn't try... Like, I wouldn't have been trying to play, like, Elden Ring on it, like, for the oh, first okay. time, like, not knowing what yeah, I was doing. Yeah. And honestly, like, Sekiro is, like, more linear, like, than... Sekiro is more linear than Elden Ring is and it like actually lends itself more to being on that type of screen because like the larger landscape stuff is like boss stuff Mm -hmm. like uh, which works well enough because it's just one enemy in front of you like Last Guardian works super well because it's just like it's just a movie that you're progressing through basically like um FIFA didn't work so well playing like online games. I don't I, like I've seen people trying to like play Call of Duty on it. I don't know how that would yeah. work. But maybe I could play Ghost of Tsushima Legends on it. Get what I'm yeah, saying? It's like, okay, but there's the visual element, but some of what you just said gets to my second question, which is um like controls, right? Because like, the thing that annoys me the more time I spend with the Switch is that the Switch controllers are just bad. The Switch Pro controller is not good. The Joy-Cons aren't good. Am I going to... Do I have a shot, right? On like, even on a fifth playthrough of for, beating Millennia like, in Elden Ring using the controls for, <laughs> for this thing, right? Like... I would know it. Okay. No way. Right. Like, like, it's like no... Precision. No shot. Like, there is... Like, the buttons are a little clicky. Okay. But what I'm saying is that like for like for the price point and for the convenience, yeah. I can recommend like I can recommend it. Especially like if you have like a if you like have a couple of games like that in mind that would like work for yeah. that, that you could play. I mean like you know, like cause it's like I wouldn't try to play something where I think about where frame rates are like a question to you playing it on a regular okay, console. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. That's fair. Um, I, you dog, I'm re I'm shoot me, right. Shoot me for saying this. I'm replaying cyberpunk. I like from a new save, I'm replaying cyberpunk <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like trying to stream that, but I'm, I'm replaying cyberpunk on my, my, my custom built gaming rig that I built myself, right? So I don't know if that would work with this, right? Because it is, I can stream. Can I stream from PC on this, or is it just? I think you can't. I I like. I know that you you get like Xbox Live and PS Remote Play, and I think that there's like a game store on there or something. But the I I think the idea is that like if it's if it's an app that you can have like 
on if it streams through something that's that's an app that you can have on your phone, you can use it. Okay, bet. That's uh, this. This yeah, does that's what it seems like. This makes me think. I want to see, and I hope to see, and I'm going to YouTube to try to see. I want to see somebody try to beat like Millennia and Elden Ring on an iPhone. That's the only like. Forget all the speed. Forget distortion. It is world I record speed actually... runs. I want to see somebody beat her on an iPhone, bro. Using this setup, <sighs> is it possible? Man. It has to be um, possible. The community makes anything possible in Elden Ring in video games. Like it's like you know, it's just the like. I think that if it was, if it felt like. If it was bigger in your hand, you could do stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like, it feels like, I think, like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know about like the SwitchCon. I think it's probably about the same size. If any, or if anybody else has like a similar struggle with it, but like, it's like my hands are. You're too big to like grip it the right way. Like, so it's just like, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta make weird. Yeah, you got to make weird fists in order to to like, and it's just like it's a controller gripping fight, you know. Yeah, listeners can't see Micah right now. He's making little T Rex hands. Um, you get the little little yeah little T Rex hands. It's not like I'm I'm hitching and hemming and hauling a lot of like an audio, but it's just because like I'm making weird hand stuff right now. <laughs> um, okay, you're playing Sekiro. I'm replaying Cyberpunk. That might be, and we're watching Kenobi, right? And like, hopefully, this show just give me Leia and Kenobi, and you know, you and McGregor, and like, don't shit the bed. You know, TV Star Wars is the only good Star Wars at this point. Knock on wood, Micah. Do we have anything else this week? I started watching the Sex Pistols show. It's cool. Um, a lot of people seem to be upset about it. I res- I'm reserving public judgment on it until I've watched more than two episodes because, like, I'm not, you know, as well his uh, as well versed in the birth of 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 punk of, as I would like to be in order to properly judge something that, like this. But I mean, the show is humility fun enough. Uh-huh. Like, uh huh. Like, oh, I guess it feels, uh. I guess suitably unruly for, you know, a situation where, you know, the stuff sold out of Vivian Westwood's uh sex boutique that these kids are wearing is now like these the stuff that the the actors are wearing on the actual show is like raff, you know, <laughs> but like they're we're supposed to believe that it's secondhand and thrifted and shit and yeah. You know, for a show that has that kind of sensibility, it feels like unruly enough with the weird camera angles and the spinny stuff and the, you know, amphetamines and whatnot. The spinny stuff and like, the amphetamines. Say, that's the name of this show. That's the new name of this You know, it's Danny Boyle. It's, da- it's, it's Danny Boyle. It's, it's Danny Boyle, you know? Like, but the, but like, I will say, like, uh, something that is kind of like annoying a little bit is the amount of telegraphing amongst uh, around historical cultural moments that even I know about as a layperson with terms of pop music. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
there's just a lot of being like, this will be confrontational, which is an actual line in the show. And, <laughs> um, you know, we are going to kick, give, uh, you know, Britain a kick up its limey ass type of things of like, you know, yeah. we're contrarians and we're the revolution type shit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, whatever. It's fun. It's cool. You know, I'm going to keep watching it. Bet. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I got nothing else. This is a busy time. I'm I'm gonna write like three more Star Wars. I can tell this is the thing. Star Wars is the kind of thing I trick myself into writing about. And I love thinking about Star Wars. I love thinking about Star Wars, regardless of whether I love Star Wars in any given decade of Star Wars. And Micah, you know how it is as writers, man. We trick ourselves into writing shit that we should, you know, they bring you back in. You ought to know better. You ought to go home and be a family man, but you can't. Um Damn you, Ewan McGregor. Back in the game. Listeners, email us, Kenobi. Uh, this damn device. What's the name of it again? The name of the device, like a... Backbone. Backbone, backbone, backbone. controller. Uh, world record, millennia fight, millennia fight, Elden Ring on an iPhone. Send us your footage, soundonlypod at gmail.com. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all next week. Bye.